Of the NRL All Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back for the Super Coach episode of the week. TLT round six is here, and what an episode we have tonight! Billy Marion's back after a couple of weeks hiatus. So, Billy, welcome on back, mate. I hope the last couple of weeks of Super Coach has been treating you well. Yeah, mate. I've got a uh, chart in my uh, in my room now. It's called a ladder. I'm climbing it for a change. <laughs> That's nice to see. I was climbing it pretty well for a couple of weeks. Until last week, it and the taste water week, it was a lot happening in the Supercoach world. If you're listening for the first time, Supercoach episodes on the Tuesday, all about TLT and Supercoach. We do have the Talking Footy episodes. Do need to apologise. Last week, Talking Footy episode didn't get going, unfortunately, just for time constraints and various factors. But this week, we do have an extra long episode for Talking Footy. It's going to be recorded on the Wednesday, up on the Thursday at the latest. So you'll get it well before the round all the talking points in rugby league and everything we dissect and go through. So a lot of fun. But for this episode, we are going to start off with our round five review like we normally do. The good, the bad, the ugly, the Clint Eastwood segment. We'll be doing a strategy chat. And this strategy chat is going to be really interesting, Billy. What happens when a cow becomes a keeper? What do you do? There's a lot of examples this round. And we're going to go through a few of them. Market watch for round six, uh, the top 10 trade-ins and trade-outs. We'll review those and go over them. And then the machine gun rapid fire round six preview to go through those, particularly for the C and VC options. Big podcast, Billy. But first of all, Clint Eastwood, mate. The good, the bad, the ugly. I'll tip this one off because you haven't had this segment yet. Uh, the good for me, definitely having Hines and Cleary as my two halfbacks. It felt so good this week. I got Hines in the week before. Absolute masterstroke. Loved it, obviously. But just having them together because obviously, you know, last week I didn't have Cleary playing with the Panthers by Cleary side by side with Hines and halfback spots. Jeez, it feels good. So I, I thought that was amazing. Uh, obviously Cleary got his 124 and Hines got his 102 points. Both of them showed why there should be halfbacks going forward. VC on turbo and the C on Hines. So that was probably the bad. Uh, I was tossing up with, the VC on Cleary and the C on Turbo, I probably would have looped Cleary's 124 because it's that sort of round where I, I sort of I would have probably liked to have taken those points. Wish I could have. Um, so that was, you know, a little bit bad. But the ugly, Teddy came back into my side for his 22 points in his knockout, 11 days on the sideline as well. I... Cannot possibly trade him again because I want him for that Warriors and Dragons game. And I did trade him out momentarily to then get him back in last week. So it's absolutely bitten me because, Billy, i tell you what was so ugly about that one. It was Reese Walsh coming in for a few weeks and then Teddy coming in or Teddy coming in. And I chose Teddy for his 22-point knockout. Yeah, those are the breaks, mate. You can't, can't always get it right. Um, unfortunately, uh, it's, yeah... It's injuries. Injuries are worse than just getting a poor score. At least a poor score, you know. You know they can bounce back. Um, injuries are just, you know, they get they get on a roll like Teddy was in the first sort of five ten minutes, and then it just stops. So it's demoralising, isn't it? Yeah, I thought he looked really good too. Well, that was probably what made it worse. Like, didn't you think that the the first five ten minutes he looked really good? Yeah, he was looking dangerous. Like, uh, uh, every time he got tackled, I thought, great, great, great. Now he's he's been pulled back. Then he had a was it a line break and try assist or something like that. 
I yep. thought he was yep. just on 20 or something or other. And then, um, yeah, then I thought, oh, I hope he's all right, but also hope he doesn't come back. So, <laughs> 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 yeah, that was injuries on than, than your worst enemies, mate. But um, where, where, <laughs> when they're blokes that can kill your supercoat season, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe you need to see this one out of his breast, but <laughs> It is really the ugliest part of Supercoach, isn't it? Like when you end up with a really big gun that gets hurt like and and gets hurt, you know, early in the game before they manage to be able to do anything, it just stings, doesn't it? I mean, it's obviously worse when it's a VC or especially a C option, which he wasn't for me, but it's just, it's probably the worst, the ugliest part of Supercoach for me when that happens to you. Because I was deflated the whole round, right? That's That's the ugliest part. When it happens on a Thursday night with the team that you actually support, yeah, yeah, I know, mate. For me, so the uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. I think the good and the ugly was probably the same game and the same player. You know, Nico being on what eighty at half time and then being on ninety at full time. I think it was a good and the ugly. <laughs> that was a hard part for Update me. Update to one hundred and two at least. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, well, I'm just happy happy that the captaincy choices are sort of working out for a change. I'll, I'll do a serious one. I'll, the, the 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 bad for me is probably you know hoping for a little bit more from Katoa, <laughs> but I, obviously uh, that was just a a, a decision made early with um with Schuster. Just but um yeah, the frustrating part for me this year, mate, is just not being able to pick the right centre three quarters all year. Like I just have always had haven't had the uh, the the Titans winger or the a stormy winger or. Like you know, the hunt, the hundred scores, and the big fellas. So picking and choosing there has always been a pain in the ass for me. So the highlight of the weekend for me was finally plugging that gap. Although I ended up going uh, Garrick over over Miller, but uh, plugged that with a uh, Margie this week. So no more picking and choosing the centre through court. I'm stacked now. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm looking at a similar strategy this week to just have one rotating in and out. And really, like it's hard to go past Taruba for me as that fourth guy with the way he's been going. Although. You know, segue point, he's, he's going 45-50 without any attacking stats. The bloke gets two tries on the weekend and he gets a 59. Jesus, like, come on, mate. <laughs> like, I expected, no. expected an 85. Yeah, I know. You've got to remind yourself there were no line breaks in there too. So it was basically just one line break try, not 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 two, because the inside centre actually passed in the ball. That was that was the biggest shock of the round for me. Um, there was the draw and pass from um, Targo. So you, know, like, you, you go back last year, you'd, you'd, say, you'd say to yourself, oh, "Thank Christ, Crichton's on the right now." Just, you just absolute left wing wing killer refuses the past, enter the target, mate. Between between Soali and those those Panther centers, mate, it's it's. I'd be amazed if any winger ever touches the ball. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because uh, Isaac Tango was one of the top scorers of the round, and we need to go through that now. And two big daddy scores as well. We had 148 from Dom Young, 1.3% owned, and Isaac Tungo, 142 points, 1.5% owned. So it's uh, pretty crazy. Those were the top two scores. Obviously, Nathan Cleary came in with a big 124 at 42% ownership. A lot of people jumped back on him last week. But then, again, we had a a big comeback from Sean Johnson, 117 points at 3.6% ownership. Um, Sarko... Preston both on 108, Tom Trebojevic 106, Ben Hunt 103, Hines 102, Marzu 102. Top 10 scores of the round were all tons, Billy. And that hasn't actually happened this year yet. 
So we've seen that slowly, slowly the scores are starting to creep up now. We are getting those 140s and the 120 pluses a bit more regularly um, and certainly more tons. So that was good to see. Ended up with a few more high rain players too. Um, so half of the players that turned up were actually highly owned or at least 23% ownership. And that's a bit bit different from some of the other weeks as well. So it does look like that some of the higher owned guys are starting to turn it around. We've had a lot of um, a lot of pods the week before as well that have been in that top 10 and they've really dominated it. But looking good for that. And then just outside it too, you had guys like Reese Walsh, 11th biggest score for the round at 99, almost a ton, and he's 37% owned. So a lot of the big guns came through this round, Billy. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to see some big ones coming out. That that Walshy fella reminds me of Latrell Mitchell, though. It's just zero, absolutely zero base, and then just pops up. You're like, no, show it out. Yes. Right, safe for another minute. <laughs> and then he goes again. He's the ultimate finisher. So um, I, I think I might have got one wrong in him. He's, he's scaring me. Yeah, he's a worry. And look, obviously, it was one of the ones I was tossing up instead of getting Teddy back in, and I'm absolutely ruining it now. But Walsh also did it where, you know, I was watching the game at the pub, and his first few tries the Broncos scored, it was like, oh, he hasn't, re- he hasn't been involved in them, so I might get off okay here. He was on nothing. And then it was yep. just bang, bang, bang. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah, he's, he's one of those players, isn't he? He's not really a part of a lot of it. And then all of a sudden he pops up and he just drives three tries just into your heart. Yeah. Really tough one. Yeah, I know. I think, I think that's what I kept telling myself. Look, he just needs to get through this game and then the draw gets a little bit softer. So a little bit harder. Although um, I think he's done enough damage to warrant the, the point that probably doesn't matter what he scores in the next two weeks. So I think he's done enough damage already. Yeah, and look, it was also like, there was some other good comeback players too for the round, like Cam Murray, 88 points, highly owned. Lockie Miller is now not a pot anymore, and he came through with a 95 after some big buying last week, and big Payne Huss a 95 as well, and absolutely beasted it. So Ooh. really was a round of the... Um, the higher own players, um, even the guys that people jumped off, which, you know, you hate to do, like a Joseph Suali, he was like 25% plus owned to start the year, and he's down to 12%, and he threw up an 86 in his best game of the season. Sammy Walker's down to, poor Sammy Walker's down to 7.4%. Everyone, including me, were jumping off to Hines, and he threw up an 82 on the weekend in a, in a really good effort. So there's, a, there's a, it was a lot of guns that are highly owned and also guys that have been, given up on a little bit, especially Cam Murray, 10% gave up on him last week, just about, you know, it's, they're all coming good, mate. I, I think that the footy's starting to warm up and I actually think that the tide is turning now for this round and the coming rounds where we're going to get a bit more consistency out of the guns leading into origin. Yeah, it always happens this time of year too. Um, I mean, you go and look at blokes like um, Cam Murray, you, you go, oh, he scored 88 with a, 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 a try assist, line, line break assist, but you've got to factor those in. I mean, this is the time of the year where they, where they start pumping those numbers out. So you've got to start factoring in the clutch, not just the 40 or 45-minute forward, because now all of a sudden it's the 50, 55-minute forward. Um, case in point, like Tarpany, like I've been frustrated with his scores, but still averaging, what, 62, 63 at the moment, just getting 45 minutes. But 45 minutes all of a sudden became 50 and then 55. So he's starting to creep up now, and I think you're going to find not just the Ken Murrays of the world, but some of the guys that kind of fire at the back end of the previous years all of a sudden start sort of st- start to pump out some of the bigger numbers or their draws open up, up open up, and the clutch potential comes in and having one really big score lift their average from, you know, you know 55 to 62 or 65. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you the other key factor for that, and this is in real life as well as Supercoach. Like I mentioned at the start of the year in the first Talk and Footy episode, teams like the Dolphins and, and some of the bottom teams, you're going to start to get separation about a month in or so because that's when all of a sudden teams start to get hit with injuries, teams start to get hit with suspensions, and the teams that aren't quite as good don't have the depth or the quality across the field to be able to compensate for that. And we saw it last round because you ended up with Canberra getting absolutely demolished 53-12 to 12 against Penrith, and you also saw the Dolphins get demolished by a potential wooden spoon, spoon favourite in the Dragons 38-12. to 12. And obviously we spoke about the Broncos demolition of the Tigers 46 to 12. So all of a sudden these teams that were that were really competitive at the start lose a few players or some key ones and they're getting smashed. And the, the good teams are also playing a lot better. So it, it's kind of evening itself out, isn't it? And that's sort of always what you kind of expect and why sometimes the early draw is not quite as good. But it does point to Geez, from now on, um, we probably will see a few more floggings than what we than what we were before because we were seeing basically none, and now we just had like three really big ones on the weekend. But that also opens it up to a different sort of pod ownership because you can really target some of those bad teams now with maybe some wingers or some guys that might get some hat-tricks just for a run or two. It's a bit harder to do that at the start of the year, right, because they're a bit more competitive. You don't get these floggings, but they've started now. Yeah, I don't think the comp's going to even itself out until the Tigers start. Um, <laughs> so I don't what they're going to do, mate. I think there's a couple of teams that are going to start struggling at the moment uh, and become the flat track bullies. I mean, the the draft. You, you look at the Dolphins were doing really well, and all of a sudden, you know, they lost their their basically their their entire spine, um, some key players, and got dominated by the Dragons. You know, you get dominated by everyone else in the comp, and you've got the Tigers who are struggling. So. I think there's going to be a good three, maybe four teams right at the bottom of that, of that ladder that you're going to look for matchups. But some of the some of the middle to the bottom teams are going to start adding up a bit more now. Like you've got the, I think you'll start seeing some better efforts from you know some ti- uh, Tigers, but the, the likes of the Knights and stuff are still going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move along. Uh, strategy chat for this week. So, what happens when a cow becomes a keeper? That's our strategy chat. What do you do? This is always something that comes up, Billy. Inadvertently, it comes up at this point of the season because we're now at a point now coming up to round six where you've got cows that are hitting their use by date. They're they're hitting higher break-evens. They could actually start losing money. And it's always a big decision to make. What do you do? When do you actually sell a cow? When is the best time? Do they convert from a cow to a keeper? It's always really difficult. Uh, there's a few prime examples that I'm just going to run through and then I want to hear your take on it. Uh, you've got guys like Hopgood being sold a lot at the moment. Um, obviously, his role's changed, but I just want to put a perspective in here. So Hopgood, uh, also Katoa at Melbourne, also Preston. They're three really popular cheapies to start the year, all mid-rangers, and they've all made at least a couple hundred thousand dollars each. All of them have performed great, but inadvertently they are hitting higher break-evens now and super coaches are starting to sell them in droves. Is it the right thing to do? I will say Hopgood is the second averaging, highest averaging second row forward that you can have at the moment, 78.8 points. Admittedly, that has gone down with his minutes, but he's still performing. And the other thing to consider too, like if, even if you look at Elisa Katoa, he's a guy who's averaging 70.2 points, the seventh best second row forward. And if you include Josh King as a front rower, which he really is, and he should be higher. Uh, so he's still in the top seven. 
And there's a lot of guys above there that, you know, are questionable as well. Like Zach Hoskins only played two games. You could argue Katoa is actually on scoring a top five secondary forward already, and he can get better as well. Uh, and then you've got someone like Preston, who's actually the 14th highest scoring at 65.6 points a game. And when you're looking at 65 plus, Billy, you know, if, if they continue on that trajectory, you'd keep that. And it's going to be better than some guys that you bring in. So, Obviously, someone like Preston's a good example, right? Because a week ago, a lot of people sold him because he was starting to get towards that break even where it was like, well, you know, I might make an extra 10, 20K off him, but, you know, I have other players that I want more and I'm going to have to sell him in a week, so I'm going to jump off. Inadvertently, he scores a try, throws up 108 points, and all of a sudden, he's going to start making money again. But that's what these good players do, which is why sometimes it's better to hold these guys and even to keep them longer term. So, you know, for you, with these type of players, what's the answer? Do you sell? Do you hold? How do you feel about them? So you look at a bloke like Preston, like uh, although uh, Katoa's been killing it, he, he, he started at a higher price and is, and is much higher price. Preston, he wasn't going bad. He just had what, a, a mediocre game of, of what, 40, 40 points in the game. That's not bad by, by, by any means, particularly when when you when you have like the the stinking hot week hot weekend, um, as well as the, the the wet weekend. Like it's not like he was going bad. He and he was really he's been really really busy. So he always had the potential to to aim up, particularly the the matchup they had last week. Um, a, a bloke like Hopgood absolutely destroyed it for the first two weeks, but he pretty much played you know 70, 80 minutes the and tackled his ass off the, 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 the first couple of weeks. Then all of a sudden goes the the, the, the heat coming come comes comes back to the pack. You give him a mulligan there because you know it's forty degrees, whatever you call it. But it, there's no surprise that all of a sudden his minutes get reduced when it when it coincides with um, um, Maddo's return. And all of a sudden you, you're showing the fact that um, Lane, Lane's Lane's coming back, mate. I know he's an absolute weapon, but you can downgrade him to someone like Hosking and get exactly the same same exactly the same points. And the hundred K action you get allows you to upgrade to the tackle buster at the back. So but don't look at it like, you know, hot uh, Hopgood's not a keeper, like he possibly is, but by selling him, you can get two Hopgoods. It's just a mathematical equation. Yeah, I think I think the one of the key questions to ask yourself is to benchmark against who you're gonna get in and to map it out and say, you know, are they going to actually outperform them? And they need to outperform them, perform them a reasonable amount for me. Like if I'm like Katoa, for example, he's averaging 70 points a game. Now he's interesting because he's 600,000. So people are looking at it going, oh, well, you know, I can jump off and get almost whoever I want. And, you know, they're going to be better, but he's averaging 70 points a game. And that's been with Jerome. He's out a couple of weeks and using him, formed a really lethal combination and Hughes is back this week. So you can see him potentially starting to uptick again on his point scoring. And even if you think he's not going to average 70, and this is, you know, going to what I first said, map out what you think. Like, do you think he's going to average 65? And if your answer is yes, and the guy that you're bringing in is, you know, averaging 68.8, like, you know, Tino is just a random example. Um, Madison as another example at 68 points a game. If it's only three points, is it really worth a trade? And especially when you're actually downgrading Katoa's output from 70 down to 65 because you think he's going to drop off. Like if he maintains 70, he's actually outscoring Tino 
who's played four games. We've got a good sample size. And he's probably around that average based on his prior years. Um, Ryan Madison, you know, I love Maddo and I'd love to get him in this week. But again, he could easily stay at 68 and you're doing that trade for no reason. So I think the key is to benchmark it like that. You know, don't feel that because a guy started as a cow, you absolutely got to trade him out when they peak. Um, and I think that's probably one of the big mistakes that the new super coaches probably make with them. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, if you went back to the three or four weeks, I would have said to you, even before the season started, um, Hopgood's likely going to be going to be a keeper, and I would I would love to keep him in my side. Um, I had this discussion with someone this afternoon, and their, their point was, oh, but he's going to have. There's no point selling him because he's he's, he's going to average. He's still probably going to average sixty off the bench. And my point was exactly that's the problem. He's only going to average sixty off the bench when you can get someone not half the price, but 60, 65, percent of the price to do exactly the same thing. And the coin that you gain from selling him allows you to upgrade someone someone else. So it's look at it as two trades to get more, more points from the same sort of player. It's just simple mathematics. Katoa, I agree with, he's a beast. I'm not selling, selling him, but there, there are certain guys you need to look at and go, can I get the same points, um, the same output for a cheaper cost? Yeah, for sure. Uh, a secondary question that you can probably ask yourself too is what do we think that their role is going to be? And that's especially important with a Hopgood type of example because if their role is going to change to what it was before, then obviously their scoring is going to be different. Now, Hopgood's given us a really good look at that, Billy, because the last three weeks he's played 54, 68, and 62 minutes. His 54 and 62 minutes is probably pretty equivalent to what we're going to see from him now. And that's that equated to 45 and 47 points. And that was only raw base. And that's probably the other thing with him too. His offloads have actually dropped off the last few weeks. So, you know, you, you need to kind of equate to what you think their role is going to be going forward. Someone like Elisa Katoa, his role is unchanged. It's not going to be any different. In fact, it's going to be better because he's just had a couple of weeks without Hughes. Someone like Hopgood, his role's changed exponentially coming off the bench. Uh, it might not mean that he's that bad. And for me, like, I'm going to keep him this week because at 47 break even, he's not going to lose any money. He's playing the Tigers. So you've probably got to look at what what's the opportune time to sell, right? Because... If you can play him against the Tigers, which I'm going to, he he might get some clutch attack and you know start off his money making again off the bench. And he's also quite playable still um, at around that 54 minute mark. He's still probably going to score 50s for you despite the 45 and 47. So for me, I, I'm going to hold him, um, but because his roles change, that's when you can probably start to look at Hopgood coming out of your team. Um, do you sort of do you sort of agree that you, you could be holding him though as well? Um, and there's certainly other guys you could sell instead. No, hundred percent, mate. Like, if you got other blokes, to, other blokes to sell, there's nothing wrong with keeping a bloke that's going to cover you through all the buyers. It's not going to. You would likely think that's not going to play Origin. That's unlikely to get injured. It's just going to pump out the consistent scores for you. He hasn't cost you anything. The only reason you you would want to sell is if you can significantly enhance the the profile and the output from your team by selling it. That you would have to really buy astutely. Yeah, and the other thing with guys like Hopgood too is that you don't want to hold guys for the sake of them playing the buy um, and lose money on it. But at the same time, you need to be smart about making sure that you're absolutely selling them when there's nothing of value to be had anymore. And at the moment, he's still got some value this week. And what I would say is that each week that you're able to keep him without selling him, 
is going to be a week where something else might happen in that pack that changes his role. Because remember, the only reason we're really selling him is not because he's not a good super coach player. It's because he's got a slight role change coming off the bench. Now, anyone in that pack, Billy, gets hurt, oh, I would I would put to you that, that Hopgood starts again. Oh, yeah. So, and that might be as soon as in one or two weeks. So say you hold him this week uh, and say Lane gets hurt or even say like Maddo gets a concussion and he gets his 11 days. You know, all of a sudden that's two weeks of, of Hopgood back at 13 and it was because you didn't need to sell him this week, right? So you just wait an extra week to see what happens. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but you're also, you're also saying I'm going to forego points this week in case someone gets injured, so I can maybe get an extra twenty percent output from him next week. No, no, no. I'm saying if you don't like, I mean, there's teams that are selling him that could sell somebody else. Like I'm seeing teams selling Hopgood and they've got Hammer still in their team or something like that. Oh, oh no, no, oh no, no, that, 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 that's silly. If, if you go, he's the last person in your team that you want to sell. Like, if you can sell other people, 100% do it. Like, he's not costing you anything, and he's still going to score you, likely, 50 to 60 points. Not easily, but you would... High confidence, you're going to get at least a decent, half-decent score for him this week. Um, I, 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 even the, the, the matchup they've got this week, too. Like, there's a possibility that he might even go over the line. Who knows? But, um, yeah, so he's the last person you want to sell. But, but in, in saying that, You've got to make money somewhere. So if he's the last person on on the chopping block for you, then then yeah, he's got he's he's one of the one of the last options. So someone like Preston sort of falls in this category as well because um, his role changed obviously after the start of the season. So the first round he wasn't starting and scored twenty five points. He's now starting. Um, what I would say to people more so than that though is that. You also need to look at um, changes of roles on the field. So obviously his minutes are going to be the same. He's still going to be a starting edge back row as he has been for a few weeks. But the Bulldogs are actually decimated at the moment. Like their forward pack is absolutely decimated to a point that they've had to ask the NRL this week to give them dispensation and special privileges to be able to get other players outside of their squad in. That's how short they are. They're going to bring Tavita Pangai Jr. back early potentially because they don't have enough forwards. They've got guys starting in their pack now that wouldn't normally, and they've got low workloads. So for someone like Preston, that probably ups his opportunity. He's probably going to get more ball, more usage, and a higher workload because they're such down on quality forwards. So his role is actually on the up as opposed to the down. He's obviously got a minus two break even, and that's because he's 108. Um, It wasn't that low last week um, until he scored his 108 against the Cowboys when, you know, after round four, he scored his 42 against the Warriors. And people were probably panic selling him because it was no longer a negative break even. That's a really good example of, you know, waiting until the last minute if you don't have to sell someone. So I do think that some of these guys can also start to become keepers, Billy. Um, potentially someone like Preston could be. And certainly someone like Katoa could be. And, you know, Hopgood's roles obviously change. But with these guys, for me, my personal view is that while they're scoring at keeper levels, I don't want to trade them to a keeper because it's sideways unless I can really see in the future weeks that their role is going to change or, you know, they've they've been inflated with their stats, which none of these guys really have been. So for me, I, I try and keep these guys as much as I can because I'll always remember my Angus Crichton example when he burst onto the scene as a great centre wing, second row, dual cash cow. And I sold him at like 480K or something. He, he, he Very similar to these guys. And he went on and was like a top five second row and one of the best centre wings that you could own and got up to like 650,000 or something ridiculous. Like absolutely burned me. And it was because I just sold a guy that was performing better than all the other guns. And I, I sold him just because I had it in my head that he'd made his money. 
Yeah. <laughs> Rookie mistake from the veteran. There's always someone that burns over. Yeah, moral that story is anyone anyone getting 50 tackles a game or playing edge for 80 minutes that's available service reporter, it's just a no-brainer. You just slot them in and let them do their job. And it's probably good that we talk about some of the centre wings briefly too. Um, I think that they're a lot more volatile, would you agree? So certainly with the centre wings, it's a lot harder to see those guys um, being long-term keepers. Oh, mate, 100%. You never know whether Carraz is going to score 90 or 190. It's a massive problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we're talking about the cows, like a hammer, for example, like, you know, because people will turn around and say, Barnsley, you're contradicting yourself. Hammer's averaging 70 points a game. He's killing it. And you're going to say later in this podcast, oh, yeah, you should probably sell Hammer. You know, but I'm, I'm going to just hit that on the nail of the head now because uh, these guys are a lot more volatile in the centre wing, right? So someone like Hammer, whilst he is averaging as much as what some of these forwards are, uh, he's a lot more volatile. He doesn't have the consistency of base and he doesn't have the position that they do, which makes a big difference in determining whether they're actually going to be a keeper or actually a cow to cull. Also, been, he's been playing very well and falling over the line at the last minute to get his score just where it needs to be above water. But uh, you don't want to tread water too long, otherwise you're going to drown. Famous quote there from Billy. Uh, centre wings, I, I would sell those sideways all the time because you're always going for runs with them and you can get them out to get some centre wings that you know have been more consistent at scoring clutch attack stats in the past. It's the same story as Preston, particularly with centre three quarter. Like if you've got a bloke that's, you know, started at 200k and is now at sort of 350 and has a break even of 40. That doesn't mean he's peaked. It just means he's had a, had a shit score in there and he needs to get that out of his rolling average or get one half, what, one, one half decent one in there to all of a sudden go, go get inflated again. Look at Warbrick. He had a shocker, then had something half decent, now that decent negative break even again. Um, then uh, uh, Pereira, whatever his name is, had a, had a uh, horrible, one in, horrible one in it. All of a sudden goes on a 110 score. Then it's like minus 50 break even. So until those sense three quarters get above that kind of 400k mark, they're always going to make money. You just, just need to look at their draw and their, their hit up, their hit up rate and the tackle busting potential to determine look, how quickly they're going to sort of, um, smash through that sort of, um, uh, price, price point for you to sell them. Yep. 100%. So hopefully that give, gives everyone a bit of food for thought on uh, cows becoming guns and, and the opportune time to sell them or to decide that actually you're going to keep them. For me, I'm going to keep guys like Preston and Katawa as long as I can, uh, unless there's a really, really good option I don't have that I know is significantly better than them. And that has to be more than a few points a game better. Uh, let's move along to market watch for round six. Top 10 trade-outs. Segways beautifully because Hopgood is 13% trade out at the moment. And I reckon that number is going to rise. I've already tipped my hand here, Billy. Uh, I'm not going to go through it too much numbers-wise because we've spoken about him a lot. I'm going to keep Hopgood uh, because, to me, a 40s break-even is fine. He's not going to lose any money, and I'll, I'll play him against the Tigers myself because I think that there's a chance that he could hit some attack. Uh, I will point out with middle forward last week for the Broncos, we said that Hopgood lost his offload for a couple of weeks. Carrigan had four offloads last week. Haas had four offloads last week. Uh, you had the middle forwards to power even two offloads off the bench for 36 minutes. You had the middle forwards carving up the Tigers last week. So someone like Hopgood coming on against a tired, inexperienced Tigers pack, uh, I've got hope that he can have a couple of offloads in there and, and hit at least 50s, and he might actually get lucky and even jag some attacks. So I'm keeping Hopgood. Um, what are you doing with him? 
I just think Hosky can give me exactly the same output, if not more, because he's in one of the better sides and the comp plays on, on an edge where you can actually get some attacking potential. Um, he's actually proven that he's done that the uh, first couple of weeks in a row. And the uh, the uh, cash output just lets me get someone else at, at, at the back that I really want. Um, I was contemplating getting rid of uh, Cardi as well for a cash, cash injection, but I just kind of figured, look, until until I know what's actually going to happen with the rotation, and I know that uh, um, Cardi's not going to get sort of eighty minutes. Um, until then, as far as I'm concerned, he's still undervalued. He's still playing eighty minutes. He has a soft as hell draw coming up, so I'm just going to ride it until until such time as I know that he's not getting eighty anymore. Then I'll sell him. But yeah, so classic example of picking and choosing your battles, like you were saying before, mate. So Preston Kitao, hundred percent stay. Um, Cardi, likely a sell, but I think he's still undervalued at the moment and based on draw, going to bleed a bit more out of him. I love it when we have a disagreement occasionally because, you know, you need disagreements to have good debates on Supercoach and to look at it from different angles. Do not like it at all. Um, and I'll give you a reason. And I, I may very well be wrong and I'm fine to fall on my sword later on. Uh, Hosking isn't going to give you what Hopgood gives you as far as as of what we know right now because, you know, in after one game, he may very well be back on the bench or he might even be 18th man. So I actually think that trade's got a huge amount of risk. We don't see, we have still not seen Liam Martin and Garner back in the side from injury yet. Uh, both of them are out again injured after the Panthers said they're definitely back this week. So Hosking could very well keep a spot, but at the moment, you know, it looks very dicey. So you might be going Hopwood to Hosking and then next week he's, on the bench or out of the side and you have to sit Hosking there, maybe, you know, 70K more than what you bought him for and he's not playing. I, I might be wrong, Billy, um, but I, I'm just, I'm really not enthused by the Hosking trade when we don't know what the pecking order is there yet. And you spoke yourself about like, you know, the Cardi, um, knowing the Cardi role. So you're comfortable with that, you know, but the Hosking role, I don't think we know that at all. So that's why I would actually keep Hopgood over getting Hosking in. The reason why I'm doing that is because I'm pretty confident that Hosking will actually stay. The kid's uh, actual workhorse, he busted his ass, he's actually getting results in there. And you look at Ghana, Ghana does absolutely sweet FA. This this other kid is a beast, like it's going to work. I'm basically putting my Cleary hat on here and going, look, if I was the coach, who would I want in there? There's no way in hell I'm putting Ghana back in there. I really like I really like Hosking. Like, I need to say, I've hated on the trades for Hosking. But I, I like him. Like, I think he's a good player. I would start him there. I don't think Garner offers much. But the thing is, clearly he's put on his own hat and said, oh, I prefer Garner because that's who won the role to start with. And he didn't get dropped. He, he was injured. And they've left him out because they want him to get right so he can come back into the side. So, like, I agree with Hosking. I just, you know, clearly he hasn't so far. Well, I reckon Hosking stays, whether it's right or left. I reckon he stays, and if, if it's right, they move they move Martin to the left. Martin stays right, Hosking goes to the left. If he ends up uh, coming off the bench and only getting uh, uh, 40, 50 minutes, um, I'll be spewing and I'll have to cop it on the chin and move, and move elsewhere. But I just think he's at with his break even at the moment and his output. I think clearly he's mad not playing him, so I'm just going to get him. But if he ends up sort of screwing it over, then so. So be it. I trade him out after after a week or two, but I, I still make cash in the run. Yeah, it's not the worst. I mean, I don't I don't like it at all, but like it's not the worst. And you know, it's one. It does obviously have upside because he can keep the spot. We won't find out until the following TLT where the pecking order stands. 
he, he could keep it. But uh, look, I mean, it's only throwing up 90K too, and that's why I have such a hard time with it. Like, hop good out to Hosking. You got, you got 90,000 to play with somewhere else. Like, if you had like 400,000 because he was like base price, then you go, well, you know, I'm going to throw, oh, I don't know, hammer to, to Garrick in my center wing and lets me do that. And then that sort of cash is like team changing. Whereas to me, you know, freeing up 90K though, that's that's all it's going to do, hop good down to Hosky. Yeah, but you know what, what that allows me to do? That allows me to go hammer, hammer to um, um, Mazu. So I get a bloke that's averaging 90. I get another bloke that's got the same output as Hopgood at the moment, um, as, as well as a massive break-even. So I'm going to make another 100K off Hosking easily. And worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out, the money that I make off him plus the money I got in the bank, I easily upgrade him to Murray or someone like that, and I win, and I win again. Or even better, it solves my 5 problem. Like if, if he's rubbish, like I've got... Um, Schuster down at five eight. So worst case scenario, Hosking doesn't work out. Okay, I cull him completely, move Schuster up to um second row, and there you go. I basically got six hundred k to bring in Dylan Brown or, or Munster. Um, team fixed. There's my last plug. There's my last um, hole plug. I hope it works out for you. Actually, I don't because a lot of people are getting Hosking in. So I hope it doesn't work out for any of them because <laughs> I need to catch up on some of you guys. <laughs> Way ahead, uh, I, I understand where, you, where the Hosking trade is going. Uh, I just don't think that a lot of teams need to do it, really, um, with the investment and stuff and the amount that it frees up. Like, even with your scenario, you know, you lose, you're using a lot of trades there when you could just... Okay, I'll, I'll go this, okay? I'm going to make a big call of the week. Jermaine Hotgood to go 60-plus points um, this week. And you might say, oh, that's not that big, but he's only 60-plus could very well like 50-50 chance he outscores Hosking anyway. So, you know, I, I reckon he's going 60s this week against the Tigers. I think, he, I, with, think, I, I think he does too. Well, then why are you selling him to Hoskins? Who else have you got in your second row forward? I don't know. I don't want this to be a, a Dissect Billy's Trades <laughs> podcast. No, but, but, because, but because, mate, Hos, Hosking, Hosking plus Marzu like, like, likely gets me, what, 100, 150 points. Whereas if I keep... no, the Marzu trade's very good. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'll, I'll probably be doing the same trade as you with the hammer of Marzu. If I don't do that, then I, I don't get Marzu. So don't think of it like oh, Hopgood versus Hosking. It's not. It's not Hopgood versus Hop, Hops Hosking. It's Hosking and Marzu versus Hopgood and having to play someone like you no, know, um, uh, st- the the Stormwinger. Like <laughs> it's a no brainer. Yeah, look, I'm a little bit jaded on this because I've looked at about 25 teams in the last two days where it's been, you know, it's been Hopgood to Hosking and and a, another upgrade somewhere when, you know, they had some bum in the second row that they could have gone down to a Schuster with and just freed up 300 grand or okay. you know, whatever. Well, I'll answer, you, I'll answer your question very quickly. My background now is uh, David Fafita, Katoa, uh, Preston, Cardi, Ford, and Hosking. Okay. And I don't have to play two of those. Right. So I like playing Cardi this week. I would punt Cardi instead if I could. Like if you didn't have Schuster, why not Cardi down to Schuster? I've already got Schuster. Okay. Well, that doesn't work for you then. Um, or other downgrades. Like, I mean, the other one that I looked at for myself was Alamoti and the Hammer down and Alamoti down to a downgrade and Hammer up to Marzu. Yeah, look at that. Why do you even need, like, this is the other thing too, I guess, with the Hosking thing. And look, I don't, 
Hosking might work out, everyone, okay? I'm not saying there's no way it works out. It's just he's 458,000. We didn't get to see his role this week on TLT. And the fact of the matter is that there's a lot of other ways to downgrade your side. So to me, you do some of the other downgrades if you can. Now, Billy, your team, you might not be able to. Um, but certainly there's a lot of teams that I've seen that don't have Schuster. And that's an easy one. You just downgrade someone else to Schuster, um, you know, someone cheaper. Or you downgrade to one of the other guys in the back line even. Um, anyway, we, we spent too much time on Hopgood and Hosking. Um, the hammer you mentioned, he's the second most traded out player. Uh, he's going really well. He's made $160,000. He's at 490000 He's going to break even at 47. He's been making that. Um, and I think that we've all been surprised at his consistency. He's actually averaging uh, 30 base, which is fantastic for him. Uh, low score of 43. Everything else has been 55 plus. Um, it's been a very good run for the Hammer. He scored in every game for five straight, at least one try, Billy. <laughs> He's coming up against the Cowboys at Townsville and then South the next two weeks. Um, so I think that it's pretty safe to say that's why people are selling him. And, and I like him as a sell because the next couple of weeks, he's probably going to hit a, a low score and he's going to start to lose some cash. And there is a lot of good options, like you mentioned with Marju, not that much more than what the hammer is. Yeah, he, he's he's averaging pretty well. Um, I, I didn't even start the season with him because I didn't, I didn't rate him, but he just seemed to, um, his work rate doubled. Um on, on last year, so he seems seemed to be getting in, having a go. Um, as soon as I got him, like he <laughs> having a few runs, but nothing kind of spectacular. But he, he got over the line once. He got over the line again. He didn't do enough to warrant sort of keeping him anymore. So for me, he's just a. I'd like to keep him another week or two and just just see just see what he could do. But um, with the negative break even that sort of Marzu has, and even even, even Miller to to another to another extent. You just can't wait. So you either get him or you don't, and you have to have a solid priced around that point in order to sell. So for me, he's he's at that right point. So it was a quick two week purchase and flick for me. Yeah, and I think with someone like Hammer, it's it's like you you always know that you're going to sell him at some point. It's not even a question. You're always going to sell him at some point. So selling him now isn't that big a deal. And you don't really see a game on the horizon really, or a run on the horizon where he's going to hurt you and, and end up with a 100-point score. Um, it just doesn't seem that likely he's going to start the cash train again. If he does, you know, maybe in three weeks versus Titans, he scores a triple or something. But at the same time, he would have lost money the two weeks prior. So he probably just makes some of that back up. So he looks like a good trade-out. Um, Alamodi, I'm just going to breeze over because he's the same. He's made almost 200000 He hasn't had any great scores, just pretty regular 40s, aside from his 179-point outburst. He's an easy sell for me. Do you classify him as pretty much the same, Billy? He was just a genuine cow that you just want to cull when he's peaked and now he's peaked. Yeah, genuine cow. Um, you can probably squeeze a bit more out of him, but you look, you look at him last last week. Like he he's not he's not very quick when he when he has a line break or a try assist. Like he, he really needs two of them just to get up to that sort of fifty point mark. Um, so he, I don't see him doing enough to stream two two scores back-to-back big enough to inflate him much more. So, yeah, he's an easy call. Yeah, and you got to look at the draws with these guys too. His next three are South, Parramatta and the Sharks. Um, that's not a great three weeks for Alamodi when he's got a break even in the 40s. So he's an easy one. Uh, the next guy isn't that easy a discussion. It's particularly difficult for me. James Tedesco, fourth most traded out. 4.7% of coaches are trading him out. And can I say that last week he went in at only just over 18% owned. He's obviously not playing this week and got knocked out with a 22 last week, which means he's got to break even. 
at a massive 127 points. Um, he's in 17% of teams at the moment. It's probably going to be more like 11% of teams at the end of this round. There's probably there's two ways that this can go, Billy. Like, I understand people selling him. The reason why I'm holding, and I'll just say why I'm holding, I'm not going to talk people out of selling him because it's a, it's a bad spot to be in at the moment with him out again, and you're probably raging like I am after last round. But he's going to miss this Melbourne game. He is going to come back against the Sharks, which is you know not an easy game for him. But then he's going to have the Warriors and the Dragons back-to-back. And, you know, those two games... If Teddy's going to have a big score, yeah, it's probably going to be in one of those in one of those games. Um, he does then have the Cowboys and the Panthers, but the Cowboys aren't looking as hard anymore, and the Roosters actually scored a lot of points on them last year. And then he hits the Dragons again, so he's actually got the Dragons two in, out of his five games um, after he has that run starting in round eight. So to me, there is a argument that you can hold. And the last thing is that I'm actually feeling heaps shit this week about James Tedesco, but next week if he's say 10% and under owned, it's going to be the first time in what, five years that James Tedesco has been a pod to own and he's going to be playing two really good teams that could give up points to him. So I'm kind of excited for that. So there, I think there is a reason that you can hold him. Yeah. The only thing you need to factor in there, which I'm not sure you are, but I'm sure it'll be in the back of your mind. Um, There's going to be plenty of astute coaches out there that know that as well. So he's not obviously not going to play this week. He's going to have a high break even when he comes when he comes back uh, next week. So he's obviously going to get that sort of other price drop. So he's basically going to be ripe enough for the picking for people to kind of swap out, like the hammer or or even who's, who's, who's going to pick around him. So that, you look Warbrick, Taruva. But you're looking at centre wings. Like he's going to have to go into fullback, and I think that a lot of the people selling him are going to Reese Walsh. Um, so, like, I don't think someone's going to sell Turbo or Walsh or even a Latrell to go to Teddy at the moment, do you think? Yeah, uh, f- factor in people that don't own the Walsh that <laughs> kind of bypass that one. We might have seven three quarters sitting in that, that spot already. Um, uh, only one or two of them, maybe me. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've only got the one fullback. I've only got sort of Tavoyevich at the moment. So I'm, I'm kind of ros- rotating to River and Marsley through through that sort of uh, backstop at the moment. So, um, yeah, man, I, I, the, even people that owned kind of, um, actually, that's probably a silly thing. People that own Reese Walsh, I'm kind of going back to Teddy, but for that draw, like, don't be surprised if he's owned by more than 10% then because all of a sudden he becomes um, affordable and a half-decent pot in order for people to catch up. So there's going to be plenty that spot that run as well. He's going to be huge value in a couple of weeks. Uh, he'll probably be around that 640 type of range. Teams that, that aren't playing with two genuine fullbacks at the moment, it's going to be simple. Um, I think that the majority of teams are, though. Like, Reese Walsh is 33% owned. Teams are still trading him in. Like, you've got more than a third of Supercoach that actually owns Reese Walsh. Half of Supercoach owns Trebojevic already. So I think that that's going to limit the amount of people that can get Teddy in because, obviously, people aren't going to trade Turbo to Teddy uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to trade out Walsh to Teddy when he's you know going so well. It's going to feel a bit strange downgrading him. So, yeah, I, I think that might limit him. But even if he's 11 or 12% owned, it's still going to be really low ownership for James Tedesco in a couple of weeks. Um, so I, I'm holding him you know, for that reason, but also because I just burned a, a recent trade on him and I can't just keep burning trades on the same player. 
Um, so I need to commit to him for now. But, I mean, if you own Tedesco, Billy, what would you do this week? Oh, God, man, that's a hard one. Uh, if you've got cash elsewhere um, to, or, or options elsewhere, I'd try to hold on to him for a couple of weeks. But you, you're going to be getting him back in, in two weeks anyway. You're not, going to off, you're not going to want to go with that, that draw. So, uh, unfortunately, that might be... One of the painful things you need you need to endure in the short term and just go there because there's lots of guys with value at the moment. The next couple of weeks, um, you probably got you we've touched on what half a dozen already uh, good options already. So you probably have to hold him. Yeah, but that's I think you've just basically um, pointed out um, a very good alternative strategy to have to to Walsh. So. Teddy for the next few weeks and all of a sudden just before Origin, flick him out for Walsh who covers all those buyers. Yeah, um, it, it's definitely a tough decision. Yeah, it's a hard one. I don't envy you, mate. It's a lot of cash to hold. No, look, it's, I think that we're kind of conditioned to it this year because, I mean, look, you know, you've you got Hines out this week. We had Cleary out the week before. You know, we're conditioned to there being big guns out every other week because you've just got these buyers. Like David Fafita was on the sideline last week at 700k. It's we're doing it every week now with the buys. It's just that extra one, which, you know, if you've got a bit of squad depth at the moment, I think you can endure. Uh, And it's also a week where, and this is the other thing with holding Teddy, I'm more comfortable this week because the center wings are more comfortable to play. Like Carl Pereira, for instance, for the Titans, he's playing at Seabus on the Gold Coast and he's playing against the Dragons. Now, ordinarily, you're not going to really want to play him, but... I'd even reserve Khan Pereira this week. Our good friend Luke Gary that's on the podcast often even threw that up in a chat with me today. That I'll, I'll put the reserve on, on Khan Pereira. I joked with him about how crazy it sounds, but you, you would because Khan Pereira scored. I'm doing it. Yeah, he scored a hat-trick not long ago and scored 117 points. Look, playing the Dragons at the Gold Coast, he, he could easily throw up a couple of tries. So, yeah, it's, I think it's that type of week where there's multiple of those guys that you're going to have them out of your 17 that you could easily plug in just for a week for Teddy. So I think that makes it easier. Uh, look, we need to move along, though. Um, after Tedesco, there is another fallen gun in Adam Dewey, and he's playing your Parramatta Eels this week. And I thought that he might have gone okay because he was, you know, playing against the Broncos fullback. They normally score okay. He still scored 41 points, which I was sort of amazed at because it looked like he scored about 10. Uh, but he still managed 41. <laughs> Uh, he's just he's plugging along, not scoring terribly at forty-one and fifty-four. But obviously, the Tigers have the buy in round seven, and they're playing your Eels this week. They do have a decent run of scoring some points against your Eels occasionally, so maybe it's there. But I understand why people are selling Adam Dewey. Uh, so he seems like an okay sell. I'm going to hold him again because I just have all these other guys that I'm just less confident in holding. But one question for you with Adam Dewey, Billy, you know. Would you sell him if you're not going to a premium? Because the premiums are going to be 200k plus more, right? Like Adam Dewey has lost so much value at 525k that you're paying like 200k to go to a Dylan Brown. Um, you're also going to be paying a fair bit, of, uh, a chunk of change to be going to like a Cameron Munster. So you know you want to be doing one of those two trades. I think if you are going to get rid of Adam Dewey, I wouldn't be playing around with other ones. Like you know, do you agree, or would you go for a full downgrade at six to to push Schuster in there to get a second row forward or something? How do you feel about Dewey? He went to fullback, and he historically, he, I, I'm not sure if we talked about this or whether I prepared, prepared for a pod that he didn't invite me about. 
But um, he, 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 his stats at fullback are, uh, are horrible. This is going all the way back to his days at South, but I, and this is the reason why they got rid of him. Because he was just horrible there. He just produced nothing. And then he went to the Tiger, and all of a sudden, he, he's um, it's a lot better with, with, with a ball of hands at 5 and and they got the goal kicking. So you've, you've basically got a bloke that was at fullback and then was injured and had, and had a in, in a team that was basically being, being flogged. He's been moved around a fair bit there. If he's actually playing 5-8 and kicking goals, there's no reason why you, you can't get a decent score out of him. He just had a, a hard run of late, but as long as his break-even isn't 150, I'd be playing him versus the Eels. Yeah, he's break-even 67, so... Yeah, play him. Play him 100% versus the Eels at 5-8 kicking goals. That's like the Tigers need to get out of the rut, and we talk about it. We talk about certain things uh, every year. Um, uh, Eels leak uh, um, versus opposing forwards. Broncos leak on the edges. The other one that we always talk about is Eels and Tigers is always 30 to 28. So it's always a high-scoring game. Yeah, I'll definitely play playing him as well as holding him. Uh, I think that Billy raises a good point, though, that he's playing at six this week, and I think that six is a better position for him than what fullback is. So that's a big up. Um, I would say, though, like, the other thing that I think is a reason why people can look at selling is because his draw is not very good. Uh, so he's got a buy in round seven and then they hit Manly and Panthers. They do have a, a large reprieve hitting the Dragons at home for the Tigers, which will be a really good one in round 10. Then 11 and 12 with Souths and Cowboys and they hit a buy. Um, so after the buy, they've got a pretty nice period actually in the middle, but you're going to be holding him long-term to hit that because you've got the Raiders, the Titans, and then Melbourne, but Melbourne's both um, at Leichhardt and also in the middle of Origin when they're going to be decimated. He's not going to play Origin, so he'll be he'll be playing six in a healthy team against uh, a full strength team. No one in the Tigers is playing any any quality football, so they'll be basically he will be basically steering a full strength team around kicking goals all the way through by period. So you can you can play in those the storms and God knows what. And the Tigers aren't going to be held to held to zero every week. Yeah, look, I think this is one of those classic examples, Billy, where you could go either way. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with holding him, like we've said. Um, At the same time, if you want to go to a Dylan Brown, um, that makes sense as well. Brown's about to hit a good draw. The Tigers this week is a great matchup for him, and he does play round 13. So now's... Versus his next six to eight opponents, he averaged 80 last year. Yeah, yeah, so he could be in for an absolute tear. Um, But he's another one where you have to consider... He's he's got 131 BE this week as well, but he's playing the Tigers. So you just forego that and just do the trade anyway. Probably like if you believe in in Brown and you think he's going to carve this week, then yeah, it makes sense if you're going to eventually do that. Um, I've got um, other issues at five eight anyway, so I'm planning on uh, my other guy Burton going to Brown in a couple of weeks' time when the the money is a bit closer. But I couldn't begrudge anyone going that way. Um, I think that it it makes sense. You could also just keep Dewey there as your second one and see how it goes. Stefano Yudakamanu, what a disappointment he is. Um, I'm just going to say that he has been disappointing, Billy, but he is playing his old club in your eels this week. Maybe he steps up and shows a sign of life, but Jesus Christ, last week, here's a stat of the week from Barnsley. Stefano's first offload happened in round five against the Broncos last week. How bad is that? Really? Mind-boggling. Um, the thing with Stefano is he scores, doesn't matter whether he starts or he comes off the bench. By the way, he plays 40 minutes and scores the same. He, he just needs to get through that line, but I think you could say that about pretty much anyone on Tigers' team, mate. Uh, 
Yeah, well, I mean, the other ones are Pezzett and Dory that make sense because they need to go. They're not playing this week. Uh, Carrigan and Wilton round out the top 10, and this is kind of interesting. You know, Carrigan has been the gun that we thought, but then he got hurt and he stumbled a little bit, um, and I think people are a little bit wary about that now. Um, but, you know, he's still... Managed 49 points on the weekend um, in a game that he only played 53 minutes. And I think it's important that people remember that he had a big rest because, and Haas did as well, because the Tigers were getting flogged. So that's the only, only reason. Like the other games, he's gone between 53 and 74 points. And we say this about him, you know, you get him for his consistency. He's going to average 60s for you. Um, he's going to give it to you most weeks. He's got a BE approaching 90 points, though. So, I guess that's why people are looking at selling him to use that cash elsewhere. Um, but, you know, I guess we could say the same thing as Dewey with him. Like, I understand people using that cash elsewhere because there's some good downgrade options. But at the same time, you could hold Carrigan and he very well could go great guns the next few weeks himself as well on average, you know, 70 across the next three. So uh, take your pick, Billy. You could go either way with this one. Yeah, there's plenty of players you can just go on a tangent right now. Um, I've got mine, you've got yours. I can't really add, add much to that one, mate. You've just hit the nail on the head there. No, that's all right. I mean, Wilton, I think we're just bypass. He's He's been averaging 61 points a game, but kind of disappointing because, you know, in two of his five games, he scored tries and he's still only averaging 61. And those try games... Um, yeah, he's got so. yeah, 66 and 60 in the two games he got to try, including on the weekend, and he's got a buy now, and he's not going to play round 13. Oh, I just think that he's just been um, solid, but that's disappointing for his price point. So I'd be letting him go. Yeah, 100%. I looked at him pre-season and conned myself into sort of getting him and then pulled him out because I realised that as good, as dangerous as he did, as he did look, um, he was basically just averaging with those tries in the team and, and then... You add, the, you add the Wade Graham factor, bringing him back to 60 minutes, it just basically pulled every uh, every uh, appealing aspect away from him. So, um, yeah, uh, with the buy, Pete, go. Yeah, and the other interesting thing too is that, like, if you've got Teague Wilton and you're selling Hopgood or you're even considering selling a, um, a Katoa, which a few people are, although not masses, like, I'd 100% be keeping a Hopgood and a Katoa and those sort of guys over at Wilton, you know, that's... I'd be changing that trade. Trade it in, guys. This is always interesting. So Zach Hosking, we just had a big debate about with your trade. Now, he's obviously got a minus 50 break even. And with Martin and also Garner not named this week, the positive out of that is that he's guaranteed to make good money. Playing against Manly is a bit harder, but, you know, he's still going to make good money. I understand going for a quick cash grab but I think that your expectations have to be there. And I don't like it with some of the trades. And he's also a really big investment too, really. So, I mean, I've already stated my case why I think that there's a lot of risk there. Um, what do you see as like the downside of this trade? Like, cause you're obviously doing it. Do you see it as a downside of, you know, making 75 K or hundred K potentially, and then just getting off really quickly? Like how are you seeing the trade from your view? Downside for me is if um, Cleary doesn't see whatever else sees <laughs> or just has too much or wants to give Garner a little bit more time to prove himself and all of a sudden he goes to the bench, um, then, I, then I've got to weigh, weigh it up and go, all right, so how long do I hold him um, in order to squeeze as much as I can out of him before I have to sell him? Uh, or do I hold on to him a little bit longer, hoping that he sees a light? But 
moral of the story is I won't be holding holding him, mate. Um, it's just a tactic I'm taking, hope, hoping that Cleary ends up leading him in the, sta- in, in the starting side because I, I believe he's a good enough player to start and score points and covers the buy. He's not a bloke I'm looking for as a cash grab. Okay, fair enough. Well, I will just say to everyone that last week I hated the trade more than any trade that I've hated before, uh, but that's because... So it was only his second game last week, Hosking. He'd only played one before. So, I mean, getting someone in that's only played one game when, you know, they were potentially going to be even out of the team the following week, it's it's a terrible time to buy them. You just wait and see for free. As it turns out, we've waited to see and he's named again to start this week. So it's nowhere near as bad as what it was last week. You're guaranteed to make money now. So that's why. So if people want to go for a quick cash grab, and hope that he's going to keep starting, which is a chance. And I understand it. I just I reckon that people need to keep their expectations in check because even if uh, Garner ends up on the bench and that's going to spell disaster for him at 60 minutes and at his price point, I just hate that he's 458k. I wish he came in at like 250 Billy or something. It would have been a lot easier just to go, wow, that's a great one. You know, there's going to be other cash grabs to grab too. So I, I think that we just don't need to grab all of them. On your eel side of things, you've got Dunster being named uh, on the wing and Russell being named at centre. You know, do you, do you think that Wanga Blake finally gets the axe and gets kept out and Dunster becomes a cheapie in a couple of weeks? I hope so, mate. <laughs> I just don't need to think the existing to the back line off as much in attack. Like, they don't come back and do any work. They don't defend either, so that's another problem. Yeah, that's true. Um, someone made, someone <laughs> made an interesting point um, the, the the other day. Who was it? Um, somebody, yeah, I was talking to someone... Um, a couple of days ago, and he said, uh, I, I'd actually love to see Cardi play that, le- that left centre position. So it, it allows you to play that um, hot good as a starter, as well as the, the two true edges that we have. And Sol's a problem like Blake, who offers absolutely nothing and gets Cardi into the team. And I kind of liked it. Yeah, he could do worse. I mean, look, it's just, those outside backs just aren't any good. Like, Simonson's gone for a couple of weeks. You just sort of hope that Simonson isn't going to get his job back. Um, and at the same time, you just sort of hope that finally Brad Arthur's sort of seen the sense. And even though it's taken him three years, Wanga Blake's finally dropped. Like, but yeah. it's 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 hard to tell when he's persisted that long. Well, Greg Marzu, second most trading player. A little bit annoying because he's like, he's a great pod to have before the season. He's coming at only 1% owned. I think the good news is, Billy, that even though 11% of coaches are jumping on him, that's still only going to put him at around 12% ownership come the weekend. He's going to make a ton of cash, but his stats are unbelievable. He's averaging in two games, base of 43 raw base, 41 and 44, his first two games of the year, 42 base attack. He's averaging 85 base, base attack, Billy. Doesn't even matter. He scored three tries in his first two games. You can take those out and he's still going to average 80s. It's obviously not something you can keep up, but he's playing the Warriors this week, which is a prime matchup. It's, it's one of the best no-brainer trades that there is as far as getting a, a fairly low-owned gun for a, a good game that week as well. It ticks like every box. I guess the only little caveat is that Heimel Hunt is lurking in the extended reserves this week. Um, so you'd, geez, you'd hate it if he got dropped for defensive issues again, which you know might happen because he's carving it up for Supercoach. He looks like an easy buy. If it just wasn't for that one thing, he'd almost be the perfect buy. Yeah, my biggest concern is that it's at the, it's at the end of the weekend too, so um, I'm not sure what the options with reverse trade will be um, by then. I, I wanted to get him in last week, but I kind of thought that'd be silly. Just give it a watch, just in case the, the defensive issues are there and they 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 drop him again. But one thing I don't understand is how 
is why, why people are jumping on something like Valentine Holmes really quickly to to get him. Like, I, I completely understand the other ones, but the bloke like Holmes, like, he might not have the same sort of tackle busting uh, potential as, as, as this bloke um, week to week, but he does have it. Points aren't exactly uh, like for like, but same sort of context, very, very high base. Yeah, I mean, the the homes I kind of understand because you're going to make, what, 80K out of that trade? Um, and Holmes hasn't really fired yet, and I guess that the the, Dolphin, the um, Cowboys aren't looking that fantastic. What what I will say with Holmes going, though, like I, I think the Marju could outscore him for a few weeks or even the season, but yeah. they, they've got the Dolphins and the Warriors and the Knights the next three games of Cows. So, I mean, like, you, you just try and stay on Holmes. I'm, I'm sure that people could make an Alamodi or a Hammer to, to Marju happen this week. Like all those guys are owned in most centre wings. You could make one of those upgrades, surely. That's the only reason I mentioned it. It's great person to have, but possibly not at the, expe- at the expense of Holmes if you can avoid it given his draws coming up and could quite possibly punch out the same scores mm. for a free for a no trade. Yeah, look, I can't wait to get him in this week against the Warriors. I think it's going to be a great game at Newcastle for for Big Marju. Yeah. And uh, Nathan Cleary is the third most traded. I'm just going to say, just everybody get him in. It's a time. Just swallow your pride if you sold him and get him back. Reese Walsh. Now, the last few weeks, I think he's been a really good trade in. It's worked out great for coaches. Playing Canberra is a little bit harder than the Tigers. 720000 So he's now gotten to a point, Billy, where he's gotten really expensive. Would you still shell out for Reese Walsh? He's averaging basically no. 100 points a game. No. And he, no, 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 no. Really, you're very quick there. He hasn't gone below 80s. Like, he's just absolutely blitzed it in four games. Like 84 is his lowest score. 105 is his highest. I know, but, but if, you, if you missed everything now, um, his, break even is, is, his break even isn't minus, it's 40. So worst, worst case scenario, if he, if he punches another, what, 80 or 90, he goes up, what, 20, 30 grand? Not going to kill you. Whereas these other, other guys are going up a lot. Yeah, I, I, I'm upset that I didn't get on Rex Walsh a couple of weeks ago. Um, but in saying that, I, I agree with Billy. I think that we've kind of missed the boat a little bit where he's now quite expensive. Playing the Raiders, you know, look, yeah, the Raiders just got flogged by Penrith. Maybe he puts on a heap of points. It's going to be a scary watch. The Titans are next week scary. But you might get two good games and then get a heap of really tough ones because he's going to then play the Eels away, Souths, Manly away, Melbourne away, and Penrith at home. Like, that's that's a really tough stretch of six games. And then in the bye, he gets a heap of relief. So you might actually find that you can save 150k, and that over the next six weeks he doesn't actually average that much. Once those ex, uh, you know, tougher games sort of come into it, so I'm looking at him at sort of round 13, where he's going to play the bye, and he's going to have the Warriors, the Sharks in the Origin period, and then the the Knights, and then he has round 16 off, and then he hits 17 and 18 versus the Titans and the Dolphins. Like to me, you got a chance now to jump on later. If people jumped on early, then great, you got rewarded. But the reward seems to be fairly minimal now at his price with the run that's coming up. Yeah, 100%. And that's the reason why I didn't get him last week. I armed an art between him and Miller and Marju and ended up going um, with Garrett purely because I was scared of him scoring 150 versus <laughs> the Knights, which didn't happen. Um, but it's all calculated. But yeah, so with, with the Walsh's um, side of things, um, I've obviously missed a couple of hundred grand upgrade. You want to catch up to the people in the front. You don't do that by 
following the crowd and I kind of figured, look, he's got a tougher draw coming up. Maybe he regresses or a little bit or doesn't score just any, any, anywhere near what he did um, uh, recently. Um, particular, and the other thing that was in the back of my mind was um, not last week, the week before when everyone was ripping into him going, oh, oh, how silly sort of getting him in his odds sort of zero with five minutes to go and then went from what, zero to what, 100 in the space of um, five minutes. So that that was one that what, that and the draw were one of the key reasons where I kind of figured you'd hold off for now and just get Teddy first and then for, for that draw that you just talked about and pick him up just before the buys. So personal decision and strategy. Now, in the preseason, did you think that we'd be talking about Sean Johnson? No. <laughs> he made 141000 on the season, 72000 this week. He's now almost 600000 but he does have a minus 21 break even. Not even just this week. Like he's been doing it. Um, I went back and had a look and, and thought, wow, he's actually been doing it week in, week out almost. He's been very good. He's only had one dud game. It's the Cows in round three at 41. The other games have been 74, 60, 89, and 117 points on the weekend. He's been on fire mm-hmm. um, compared to the prior few years of Sean Johnson. He's played Newcastle this week. I'm going to give a massive argument against doing this purchase, though. Uh, I, also I think it. we've... S- <laughs> well, I think we've seen the best of him. And I don't mean to be mean because he, he's he's done well for anyone that decided to jump on the risk pod because he was a risky pod. Mm-hmm. But look, I'm going to lay it all out on the table. 600000 for Sean Johnson, massive money. If you're getting Sean Johnson, you don't have Cleary and Hines. That should be your number one goal right now. Have Cleary and Hines at all costs. You're getting Sean Johnson, you're not doing that. Minus 21 break even, that's nice. It's not massive. He could make like 30, 40 grand and then be, you know, losing money again already. So you're not going to get a huge amount of cash out of it potentially. Playing Newcastle sounds great this week. Yeah, fantastic. It's also at McDonald Jones Stadium and Newcastle just drew with Manly. Maybe not the easiest game in the world for them, but let's say that he goes all right this week. He's then got the Cowboys, the Storm, the Roosters and Penrith over that next month of footy and half of those aren't in New Zealand either. So to me, he's just, he's going to start leaking cash before he makes you enough. Um, his points are going to dry up from how he started, and at six hundred k, I just I really don't see this one at all. Yeah, look, if you're gonna if you've got six hundred k to spend in that seven position, you're not far off the the two blokes who you really want. So I don't see why you would be plugging there, unless <laughs> you're trying to cash in a particular a particular bloke there, and you've got to put someone there, and there's no one cheap enough. So um, in order to use some of that cash elsewhere. Um, like like for your Marju types for the purchases and you need someone, maybe he is a stopgap or a stepping stone. That's the only reason I could sort of see it. Yeah, but I mean, if he's a stepping stone to Heinz, he's not going to give you that much money anyway. And you're going to want Heinz very quickly. Like it's, oh, yeah, it, I wouldn't be doing it. Like if you're looking at him as a stepping stone to someone else, just wait. What I'm, what I'm saying though is uh, there's certain players that people want, want this week. For example, I keep going back to the Marju thing, but there are certain guys with <laughs> massive, massive negative break-evens that people want this week in order to get points. So they're going there. But some people only have a certain number of players or, or, or peak players in order to sell. Someone might have what Boyd there or something or other, and they can't afford to go up to Hines. Um, well, Hines isn't playing this week, so they're not going up to Hines this week. So maybe they're going, you know what? I just go into downgrade 
um, someone in my front row to X, Y, Z player. I also need a bit more cash. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll call, you know, Boyd or something or other. Um, maybe, 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 maybe SJ is just a bit of a look. He's scoring well. He's going to plug sort of 65, 70 points for me, um, for a couple of weeks at, at, until which point I can, I, I can get the, 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 the Nikos of the world. So who knows, mate. Yeah, it could be that. If I was in that position, I'd just wait a week and trade elsewhere to bank money. And then whoever's at halfback, I'd leave them there for a week and then trade straight to Cleary or Hines next week, whoever I don't have. Payne Haas makes total sense. He's a gun. He's a beast. He's killing it this year, averaging in the 80s. Uh, Jack Johns, mm. seventh most trading player. Second row forward, 234,800. So he is exceptionally cheap. He's got a minus 36 break even. And... He's coming off scores of 37 and 72. Um, could be a bit trappish. Uh, so certainly yeah. I think one of the big factors with him is that Kurt Mann is back this week and he's on the bench and he was starting at 30. You could end up with Johns on the bench this week as an hour before kickoff with O'Brien putting Mann at 13. And if that happens, he's going back to another 37-point score um, or something around that. And your minus 36 break even isn't going to give you half the cash that you need to be able to cash him out. So it looks a bit trappish to me unless he, you know, you're lucky to him holding his spot at 13, which I'm not that confident about, or I just don't know what O'Brien will do. I was just about to say, look, I was even contemplating sort of um, going uh, someone out this week and, and getting and get, getting him in as, as opposed to, to Hosking. And I kind of, that's when someone reminded me, look, as dangerous as he did look with a couple of those carries, it was a, it was only a couple of carries and he's only getting 40, 45 minutes. So he's going to go back to the 35, 40 score. And like you said, it's not going to be enough to warrant a decent pricing increase or a, or a playable player. So um, I com- yeah, so I c- completely wiped him there. Schuster's the next one. And look, I, I don't love Schuster in his butt. You know, he's a good downgrade option at 241,000. So totally get it. Um, Jacob Preston getting bought in yeah. in the top 10, which is surprising. You know, people are jumping back on the cash Ooh. cash train because he's minus two break even. So these are probably people that sold him a couple of weeks ago, Billy, they're jumping back on. How do you feel about that? Like he's got a minus, he's got a minus break even. Okay. So he's going to be back in the money. Um, but at the same time, yeah, is it worth it? You know, spending 476K, um, he might be out this week. And he's only got a minus two break even. Like, it's not a big one. I really like Jacob Preston going forward, but when he's uh, barely a negative break even, I'm not sure I'd be going with that, especially when he's carrying a hand injury. Yeah, how many um, purchases is he, though? Is it en- enough just to, to snipe his teams or are people actually genuinely... genuinely 3,000 people. Uh, okay, so it's a lot of sniper teams. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I don't know what's, what's going on there. Maybe... Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe people kind of sold him, sold him prematurely, and are looking for someone around that price point in the market. And yeah, he just happens to be available again. It's the only thing I can think of. He certainly is. He certainly is a very good player, and he did have one anomaly game of what, forty points or something or other. And he's just punched a number out synonymous with what he looked like he was capable of um, earlier in the season. Yeah, I think if you're bringing him in now, you really want to be looking at him as maybe even a semi-caper because it's it's not really going to be a short-term cash grab. It's a little bit of a bizarre one. I can't really put my finger on it. Junior Tino, Isaac, the younger brother, front row forward only, 200,000. 
I get this one because I've done it, Billy. Um, that's a downgrade option. It's one of those ones that's probably not going to work out great because, you know, he's off the bench. He's probably only going to play limited minutes. Um, but at the same time, he's another guy who has a negative break even um, and you can just make a little bit of cash out of it. It's not much of a negative break even. He did get 47 minutes and 40 points his last game, but that was inflated due to injuries. The Titans might be looking at giving him more minutes. Um, to me, I, I've just done it just because I needed to downgrade to someone and at 200K, it, it sort of makes sense as your fourth front row forward. Um, but people probably need to have the right expectations, right? Like he might not make 100 grand. He might even not get enough minutes and you know, be a bit of an AE nightmare. There's all those problems with getting guys like him in. So you'd want to explore, I guess, the shoes to downgrades and some of these other ones before you jump on someone like him or just have the right expectations. I guess it, it might not work out too fantastic aside from freeing up cash. Yeah, he he does. It's a tough one, buddy. Like he he does look dangerous when um when he runs the ball, but he also had a horrendous game where he just seemed to be involved in, involved in everything and didn't and didn't score well. Um, he, he's at least got to make money. All right, the machine gun round six preview. Rapid fire in each game. First game is Storm versus Roosters. Normally a lot of VC options in this one, Billy. Um, the Roosters looked really good last week. Uh, the Storm looked better. This is one of those ones where, like, I'm going to play everybody, I think, although the brick can stay on the sideline. But, you know, the the guns I'm going to play, but I'm not going to VC anyone because it's one of those games where it could just be a little bit tough, even though it's the first one up. Yeah, I know what you mean. I was just saying to um, one of the blokes at work today, I cannot remember a game in the last 15, 20 years where I've been in a tipping comp and the Storm were not favourites or close to it. I I, I can't remember ever tipping against them. Yeah, it's um, it's a tough one because the Storm have been on a pretty bad run, um, but they looked better last week. And I'm still tipping them. Yeah, yeah. I, no Teddy, you'd normally go, oh, well, the Roosters will probably lose down Amy Park, but Manu's a pretty big in to play for Teddy instead. So it's it's a, it's a bit of a hard one to pick. I'm going to highlight a bit of a pot in this one before we move on. Lindsay Collins, 72 points last week in 59 minutes, 50 in raw base. Um, he's averaging 61 for the year, and he barely cost you $500,000 as a front row. So... Um, he, he's been having a really good season. Scores of 66, 63, 44, and 72 as a front rower. My boy Daniel Tupo really came back to things last week with a score at almost 100 points. Um, got a lot of attacking stats too. But the big guns are probably firing this one. We're going to move past it because no Cs or VCs though. Uh, the next game, we've got the Bulldogs versus the Rabbits. King and Preston have both been named, but they're potentially going to be laid outs. Um, for Tyler Mariners, well, yeah. Apparently, when, when did they get ruled out? 24 hours before, and they cut the squad. So it'll be interesting 24 hours before what happens. Um, but King apparently was rated a 50-50 chance. Preston is um, more likely to play. I think the big thing with this one, though, Billy, is that Fatala Marin is out. Um, Pele broke his arm. Ockenball suspended for a couple of weeks. They've got Harrison Edwards coming in at lock. Jackson Toppany is coming under the bench with Jaden Tanner. Like, this Bulldogs pack just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, I think that despite how good that they played last week, it really bodes well for the forwards of the Rabbits team. So this one could be one where you VC. Like you could even look at a VC Cam Murray with that forward pack. You could go for an LB try and then you're looking at maybe that 120 score if you get some other attack. 
Really like Keon Kolomatungi, though. Um, averaging 70-plus is one of the best um, second-row forward options. I love the forwards for South in this one, Billy. I think they look great. But do we see Latrell Mitchell big game finally? You know, that's probably the big VC question. I think he needs to show me more than two or three runs a game to get any confidence on that. So um, I'm going to say no there. Um, I think... I don't think Murray's got a big enough score in him to be a VC option, to be honest. Um, I, for me, he would have to go over the line twice and be more around that 140 mark. Um, like it, it, even last week with the clearing 125, I had no interest in looping that. So I'd, I'd probably look a little bit further down the chain for a, a VC option. But um, I'd probably, Walker's probably a, be, a better VC option, but no one would really even own him, would they? No, I don't think so. Um, he's pretty low-owned, although a few people have been jumping on him. I, all these rabbits just look really good. Like They've got Totola back in this one, which is going to help the middle. We haven't even spoken about Damien Cook, who has a field day normally against his old club, the Bulldogs. So, I mean, like Cook's another one that you could look at a VC. Uh, Latrell Mitchell scored 136 against the Bulldogs before and has a, a pretty good career average against them. He's fifth or sixth best career average out of all teams. Like... It's just all rabbits in this one. I'm really scared not to own them. Um, and for the doggy side of things, I'd be benching guys like Perham um, and certainly Alamoti. I wouldn't be wanting to play any of those type of guys. Karaz, you play every week. But I'm kind of worried for the Bulldogs in this one, Billy, to play those fringe guys. Uh, my vote is Karaz to run around and score seven tries himself. <laughs> 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 That's the only way it's going to happen, brother. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Look, I... I'm starting to reconsider the whole troll thing. Like if if I had to pick someone in that team, surely because of the the, the absolute decimation of that bulldog of that bulldogs team, yeah, Latrell might just turn up for twenty minutes, put four or five on, kick a few goals, and then sort of go on, go on see and relax. But maybe maybe, maybe this is his but this is one sixty game where he bounces back. But, but I'll tell you what, if he doesn't do it this week, it's a stolen red lines for him. Yeah, look, I think the key is going to be. It sounds funny, but I think the key is going to be Max King if he gets ruled out because he's been he's been yeah. leading the dogs charge. Like he's been leading them in hit ups. His meters have been fantastic. Like he's really been putting in massive work. So if he's out of that squad, on top of their other outs, it's, it's going to be a real problem. But the Cowboys and the Dolphins. Uh, look, this is another one where it really shapes up as a good matchup for the Cowboys to get back into form. Um, for me. Valentine Holmes, people, a few people are selling him here, here and there. I reckon this is a big one for him. Like I'm ever going to say, you know, Scott Drinkwater's back at number one. Yep. That's going to really yeah. help their attack. I reckon that's going to give Holmes some meat. I reckon he's going to go for a try this game against this, you know, absolutely decimated Dolphin side that has to start Cody Nicarima at 5'8". Oh, yeah, exactly. And you look at um, Holmes the last couple of weeks as well, but particularly last week, he was... Uh, he he wasn't having as many kick returns as the as the, as the other outside backs, but when you do have a run, mate, he he's equal tap by getting pulled down at the last minute. He almost got through three or four times, so he 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 is he is looking dangerous, and he's and he's scoring what he's averaging what sixty one at, at at the minute, not really scoring any. I think he scored one try, but there was no real line breaks in it. Like he's. He's only doing the bare minimum and averaging sixty-one, so I'm pretty keen for the for the lineup or matchup. I'll tell you what, I looked at trading in Holmes this week as a non-owner because I'm so worried about this game because he he's got the Dolphins, the Warriors, and the Newcastle the next three weeks. Yeah, it's a pretty good few weeks for Holmes to get uh, a try on the board, 
And yep. this week, especially, uh, you know, the Dolphins, unfortunately, are down on troops and they just don't have the depth. So I think the Cowboys would drink water back and really put them to the sword. And Holmes showed last year that he's actually got a few big ones in him of 140, 150. You know, if you don't have a VC option in these early games, I'm going to throw out Holmes as a dark horse one for you. And I reckon you could do it and no one else is going to. Next game, Saturday, first one, Penrith versus Manly. Interesting thing here, Billy, is normally Turbo or Cleary are going to be your VC or your C. This shapes as a hard one. But then again, the Seagulls were so bad last week that they drew with Newcastle. Or was Newcastle that good that they drew with the Seagulls? Which way does it go? You know, so and the Panthers are coming off smashing Canberra at GIA Stadium and they're back at home here to a Seagull side that let up 32 points. Maybe Cleary's 124 last week gets replicated this week under all circumstances. Maybe merely do give up those points. I know that I'm not looking at Tom Trevojevic, so it was a VC or C option this week, but you know, you are the Turbo fan out of the two of us. You own him more than what I do. How are you seeing this one with the Cleary versus Turbo battle at Blue Bet Stadium? Yeah, I'm not VC in there for Turbo, mate. I um, I'll, I'll stick with the Cleary VC here, if if if, if anything. Uh, just going through back back through the matchup sort of for the last three or four years, it's um, like you're saying, mate. It just does doesn't favour the Tommy. Um, if anyone's going to score a 200, though, I'd probably back Tommy to do it. But I just don't think he's going to do it this week. So um, play a little bit safer. Go for the bloke that's kind of just getting back into form, just starting to click, click with the new combinations and, and sort of kicking goals. So I might stick with uh, Cleary for the VC, mate, or maybe even go what you were talking about before with, with um so, something like Holmes and then straight out one of these two guys. But I can't see myself steering away from the Cleary. Yeah, Cleary's got a career high of 138 against the Sea Eagles. Um, Tommy has struggled against them. So I think that Cleary is the, is the key for the, for the VC option. Um, I am going to be starting to river for sure, though. I know he scored the 59 with the two tries last week. But uh, look, the, the back line for the Eagles was getting ripped apart a little bit last week uh, by guys like Best and, and um, Marzu and stuff. Like, they've still got Morgan Harper at, at um, centre, and they've got Jason Saab playing his first game on the opposite wing as well. So yeah. that back line for the Panthers could score some points against the Eagles, um, and especially at Blue Bet Stadium. Broncos, Raiders. All right. So Reese Walsh, we spoke about. Um, the Raiders have absolutely nothing. Um, what I will say, just to give them something to talk about, Corey Horsburgh, I'm going to be watching. He's got a massive break even. He's just been named to actually start at 13, um, which is interesting for the later buys. So maybe uh, for draft, I'll be putting in my waiver claim for him, but that's about as good as the Raiders are going to get for going through their options. Um, but the Broncos, Reese Walsh, we've already said it. You know, His low scores are 80s. He's gone four weeks in a row of killing it. Is this a week against the Raiders? You know, at Suncorp Stadium, where the Raiders gave up 53 points to the Panthers, they're going to give up 50 again to the Broncos. In which case, forget about the Clearies and everyone else that you know is a massive gun for the VC or the C. Rex Walsh is starting to become a C option, and you can put it on him rather than some of these other other guys, especially when Turbo and Cleary are playing against each other. Yeah, it just rules out. Obviously, you have to do the VC on um, on 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 the Cleary then, because it means you've got to chuck the Turbo turbo in the, in the reserve position but um certainly does make a bit of sense uh i just can't go past the query one i, I there's something this i've always like everyone else mate i've always gone the high volatility guy for the vc and then the solid kind of Corey parker type bloke for the c but i think 
with the rule changes a couple of years ago and everything opening right up now, I think you need, that needs to be thrown out the window and, and you need to be going for the bloke that has the the, the, the softest held jaw that's likely to sort of go ballistic, even if it is a, a Reese Walsh type bloke that scares the hell out of you. It really does need to be a draw, a draw matchup. Yeah, it's. Uh, I would. I would definitely be considering Walsh for this one myself if I owned Walsh, and I'm scared to not have him again this week. Jared Croker's in the centres for the Raiders, getting close to his 300th game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how he's going to hold up there defensively. To be honest, I reckon they'll they'll target him a fair bit. Uh, hasn't played NRL for quite a time, yeah. and him and Albert Hopper Hardy could see a lot of traffic. And if they do, uh, it could be Reese Walsh directing some of that and scoring a try. So I'm pretty worried about it to be honest as a non-owner. Um, Titans and the Dragons. Here is a, a dark horse C option that I originally put on when I first looked at this, Billy. I had VC Cleary, C David Fafita. And can I just can I just tell you, hear me out here? Yep. Fafita's uh, been pretty solid this year. He's actually scored no less than a 43 raw base. Um, he's giving you 60s with his base base attack. He's gone 83-69-49 against the Storm, though, and 96 points against the Cowboys in his last game. None of those have included a try. So he's got 83-96 without a try. Uh, he's also, just to sell him a little bit more, got a career average against the Dragons of 80 points per game, which is his second-best career average out of any team in the NRL. And he's also scored 134 against them previously with a few tries there. Uh, Third-best high score is against the Dragons. Remember that. Remember just writing him. Yeah, there's a reason why I got him preseason because uh, if there's going to be one bloke that you're going to get at the, at the uh, second row position, it's um, going to be popping out some big, some big scores. It's the soft jaw bloke that does the crab walk. So, um, yeah, happy happy to be on him. Yeah, and, and his ownership's at 21%, which is obviously reasonably high, but it's not massive. So you're not going to get a lot of captain captainers on David Fafita anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his ownership, you're just not going to see it. So if you're looking for a pod captain, he could throw out 120 this week. It's definitely a possibility where he scores a double and he rips the Dragons because very similar yeah. forward pack that he's ripped previously, to be perfectly honest. Moving along, the Knights and the Warriors. Now, this one, I think... The Warriors have earned a bit of respect here. Um, I'm gonna. I'm looking at playing Shards Char- Nickel Clockstar. Got in the seventies on the weekend. Um, obviously, guys like Jackson Ford were a bit disappointing at 44 points a game. I-, I think the Knights have been going well, but they've still been letting in points, Billy. So I'd be happy to play my Warriors players uh, like Charns and um, also Jackson. Are you sort of on that same wavelength? Yeah, I was tossing out playing playing Ford, and I kind of figured, you know what. Um, there's no guarantee on minutes. He's likely to play 80 or at least some kind of a big, big 70, but you can have some some lower stinker ones in there as well. So I kind of figured match-up draw and went opted to go Khan Carrera over him because I kind of figured, you know what, if anyone's going to score sort of 75, it's just this bloke falling over falling over, over the line and a little bit easier than a second row trying to do it. On the night side, Lockie Miller, 98, 103, 95, almost 100 three-round average. Are we not giving him enough love? You know, he's playing late in the round. Should we be saying playing against New Zealand at McDonald's Jones Stadium at Newcastle? Lockie Miller should be the, the the pod captain that we're talking about later in the round. I think there is a good argument for it. If he's continuing his recent form and 90 plus again, four weeks in a row against the Warriors at home, you could probably see that happening with him goal kicking. 
Yeah, mate, his tackle busting abilities going through going through the roof, and he's got the goal kicking too. So that's really added added some good spice in there. Um, I missed him last week. I reversed at the last minute. I'd like to get him back in in this week, but I think I missed the boat. Now he's a little bit more expensive than the Marju um, uh, combination, but um, certainly a VC or C uh, uh, C option. Well, um, I'm 100. I'll give him that, particularly with the, with the kicking and the tackle busting, mate. He's looking, he's looking dangerous every time he touches the ball, doesn't he? He does. Uh, and when you've got the added goal kicking in there as well, um, and playing at McDonald Jones Stadium, I, I think he looks, I think he looks really good this week, especially, but in the next few weeks, really even. So um, scary not to own him. Definitely a, a pod C option because I don't think enough people would jump on him because of the name value, but he's been outscoring. A lot of the more fancied options. Um, moving along, Tigers, Parramatta Eels. Now, this was the game that I sort of circled in the calendar, Billy, and went to finish off the round. What I'd really like is about seven Eels starting in my seventeen, <laughs> because the way the Tigers are going, I just want everyone. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on some dirty little secrets at the end of this podcast. One of them is that I've actually toyed with the idea of throwing Mike Asile straight in my side along with Greg Marzu to stack my centre wing because as bad as Sevo can be and he has, you know, not looked the same for a couple of years with his speed and his hit-ups and stuff, he just hasn't been the same player. He can still go on these runs where he scores a massive amount of tries. You know, I remember getting him in for a Broncos game where he scored 157 points last year or the year before where he scored four tries. You know, you sort of see those type of games from him and this just smells like it against the Tigers. Like it's what he it's, does to drag you in. Yeah, and look, I'm I'm fine to be dragged in. He's got a break even of over a hundred. He's five hundred sixty-seven thousand. You know, you're not doing it to make money, but if you can get a couple of game run from him, you know, all of a sudden he starts making money and he gives you some big points. Um, as a one week player, I was looking at the Eels backline and just saying who could score three tries and Mike Casivo. Yeah. Massive yeah, yeah. pod. Yeah, there's not only those sort of blokes that pop up, but when you're but kind of like when you're doing a money ball, you're like, oh, what should I do? Should I go for value and just try and get a little bit more than what I'm paying for, or do I try to win a to win the whole thing? And you look at the players and you're like, oh, it kind of really rules it down, and so it kind of narrows it down for you to one or two players. It can go big, and yeah, the, the, the Suvo is one of them. The problem with it is as well with this game is it. You know that the Eels could, you know, score 40 or 50 points. And you go through the team and who's going to, you know, get the big scoring for Supercoach. Clint Gutherson's at fullback. Very hard to put him in with all the other gun fullbacks. You're not going to trade any yeah. gun fullbacks to him. So he's out. And then you've got Mitchell Moses, plays halfback. You're not going to trade Cleary or or any, or um, Hines out to Mitchell Moses. And, in fact, you might be saving up for Hines. So you can't get in on Mitchell Moses, who could very easily tum this yeah. week. So you keep going down the pecking order and you just end up with, well, Micah Sevo could score three tries. Dylan Brown is probably the outlier and that's why I I sort of, I would go for that Dylan Brown trade this week um, despite the break even and the fact that, you know, I do like staying on Dewey and I'm just going to do it myself. I can see why that's appealing because you want a piece of this Eels game and it's hard to find it in the back line, isn't it? Certainly is, mate. Um, if you if you got to pick anyone, it has to be someone in the halves there. Um, they got to go on their run, so just get whoever in. That pretty much anyone in the Eels team is um, going to do the job for you in the next sort of four or five weeks. Yeah, they've got a really good run coming the Eels, and they play that by. So I mean, now's as good a time as any to set yourself up for that longer term uh, round thirteen, yeah. and you can look towards it. But 
Oh, I really like Ryan Madison this week, back in the middle, playing the Tigers. Um, he looks great. But I tell you what, I'm going to be starting Cartwright. I'm going to be starting Hopgood, and I'm going to play them both because uh, I think both could score some decent points this week. Hayes Dunster comes in, though, and all of a sudden he's there for a couple of weeks. Um, he's a guy yeah. that's 235000 Can you look at him as a downgrade early? You know, if there's, there's no other centre wings that you actually downgrade to at the moment that are going to make money that are really low-priced. Um, he is one that might stick if he can keep the job from either Wunga Blake or, or Bailey Simonson coming in. Um, Sean Russell's the other, but he's at 360k plus, so he's a bit expensive. Could you see Dunster keeping out Simonson? Because um, if you brought him in this week, and you don't normally want to bring guys in for their first game, you want to wait. But if you brought him in this week, you could play him, and he might be able to get a double against <laughs> the Tigers as well. You know, it, It's just really hard when you see the Tigers versus the Eels, mate. You just look at all these guys and go, I just want to play heaps of them. Yeah, I know I have the same conundrum every week. Normally, it's just trying to pick the right the, the right player versus the right team. Now, now it's trying to pick the right player versus the right team, uh, but also having the the, the, the team matchups going. You know what? I don't normally don't need to play this the bloke like Cardi or or like Penasini, and all of a sudden they go they go on a, on a game like this, and you get tempted. So, but you don't win it. You don't win it by sort of staying conservative, do you? No, and that's the thing. Like you've got to start to take a few risks. Um, Wilfred astutely brought up Penasini as well um, at 545k. He's around that Sevo price, and he's been really solid. He's scored 72, 38, 55, 66, and 56, and he's only got one try in five games. Um, maybe he goes nuts this week. They do have the Bulldogs the week after, which is quite good. And in fact, you know, a lot of their matchups coming up. This is the Eels' golden run: Tigers, Bulldogs, Broncos, and Newcastle, followed by the Titans the Raiders, Souths, and then North Queensland in the big buy round where they're going to be um, missing a few players. So Eels' run now is very good leading up to that first buy. It's a good time to be bringing in players. Just really hard to pick which ones. Billy, will the Tigers fight back at all, though? Because Yuta Kamanu has been really disappointing. Uh, maybe against his old club, he has a little bit of a dig. If they don't fight back, mate, they're going to get a shot. By a coach, by spectators, by the board, they'll have a sit down and just... No, they, they they need a win, mate. Yeah, it's. I think there's going to be points anyway if the Tigers step up. So it might be one of those games in the last round that gives us a lot of um, quality points from both teams. So either way, though, mate, I don't think I'd, I'd captain anyone in this one, even though I really like the Eels. It's a bit hard to pick which one's going to get the big points, but I'd I'd be playing all of them. That's going to be the end of the podcast. Your Eels are probably going to give you a 50-point win this week, Billy. So, you know. I'm sure that you're going to have a real good one and want to jump on again next week. Talk about it. Oh, mate. That's all I want for Easter. <laughs> Just a win. Well, we'll see what the Easter money brings you, mate. But um, thanks for jumping on. It's been good after a couple of weeks to have a chat about the footy and uh, go through your super coach too. You're welcome. Cheers, buddy. Good talking to you. For everyone listening, if you want to download or stream or even share around the podcast, you can find us everywhere, but particularly on SoundCloud, Amazon, Spotify and iTunes. You can also find us on Twitter and follow us there. That's going to be NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And also make sure you tune in to the Talking Footy podcast. That'll be up by Thursday this week, uh, where we just talk rugby league, no super coach. That's going to be an absolute banger before the round starts for the Easter long weekend. But until then, enjoy your footy, enjoy your super coach decisions, enjoy your Easter if you don't hear me talk to you about the Talking Footy podcast, and we'll be back again next week with a brand new Supercoach podcast after Easter is done and after this great round six of games kicks off and finishes.
Can't wait to chat to you all again real soon. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get